Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast, your daily conversation about the Washington Wizards. Ben standing here. I am uh, plugging away. Uh, the Wizards are, and Atlanta Hawks are are been practicing for the last two days ahead of Wednesday's game. Game two of their best of seven series at Verizon Center. Wizards lead one zip. Um I made it out to the Atlanta Hawks practice today over at Georgetown. I had I had goals to do both, but uh, for those of you who are uh, keeping tabs on my well-being, the Kidney Stone watch is still ongoing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, so I drug myself up enough to get over to Georgetown, which is closer to where I live than Verizon Center, and by the time I was done with that, I just felt I was pushing it a little bit much, so I did not get over to the Verizon Center today, but I'm well aware of what's going on, and I also have the scouting report from the Hawks' point of view. Also, I did a one-on-one with Kent Bazemore, uh, who I think is actually one of the key players in this series of Atlanta is going to make it one, um, a guy I've been following since his days in college, so I'll play that for you uh, here in a few moments. Um, first of all, though... Just to get the regular business out of the way, you know how to find us all on iTunes. Um, This week, of course, you can find recap of game one I did with Todd Dibas. Also, podcast I did with Brad Rowland, who does the Locked on Hawks podcast. Did that one uh, as well, kind of broke down game one. And we both had some uh, suggestions we'd make to each of the teams we cover for game two. So I would say check both of those out. As well as you get ready for game, I'm sorry, as you get ready for game two. Um, and of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Wizard or me at Ben Standing. Um, let's go through some basics here. First and foremost, no injuries on the Atlanta Hawks front. Um, I'll come back to that one in a second. On the Wizard side, Jason Smith and Kelly Oubre both practiced today uh, after they had both sat out Monday's practice with. Some uh, knee soreness. Uh, Both are expected to go on Wednesday, which is obviously key for multiple levels. Uh, Uber has obviously been a a great uh, energy uh, help of late. Um, The last, you know, 10, 12 games, whatever it is by now, I guess it's more than 10 at this point. He's been really uh, giving them that energy, defense, and, and hustle coming off the bench. And Jason Smith. Obviously, he's been a you know a, a key three-point shooter for them, but without Jan Mahimi, who uh, you know Jason Smith is their really only other center option of note behind Martin Gortat, uh, 
So having him is going to be huge as well, especially if Atlanta goes to some smaller lineups. Um, you know, Gortat, not not that either Gortat or Smith are ideal chasing guys around the three-point arc, but Smith arguably maybe has a little bit of a shot. Um, but in any event, you just want to have another option, and it's good to have them both there. Uh, speaking of Jan Mahimi, we already knew he would be out at least for this game um, on Wednesday, but and they would be reevaluated soon thereafter. According to uh, my guy Jay Michael with CSN, Mahimi's also expected to be out game three. That's according to Scott Brooks, uh, told uh, to Jay, told Jay Michael. So no Mahimi at least the next couple of games, it sounds like, which, which makes the Jason Smith news uh, even more important that he's going <clears throat> to be back. Um, you know, speaking of the center matchup and, and, and Jason Smith and Mahimi, w- one thing that I talked about with uh, Brad Rowland, uh, that, that he brought up a, a little bit was the idea that Dwight Howard, even though he only played 29 minutes, he, Brad actually thinks it could, he should argue, he could argue it should be even less, that basically Dwight Howard's offense is just not helpful enough at this point, um, and that Atlanta, who struggles to score in general, can you know put a bunch of shooters out on the court, and that might be the way for them to get at the Wizards. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. I mean, when you consider, again, he, you know, he only played 29 minutes, um, without in a game where the Wizards didn't have Mahimi and the Wizards weren't really going small. I think they were matching up Atlanta more than trying to do it themselves. So anyway, something to keep an eye on there. Where did Dwight Howard's minutes fluctuate? If he's if he's at a Dwight Howard that you know all caps Dwight Howard kind of level, that's the type of center the Wizards have struggled with. But I guess Dwight Howard is just no longer that guy. Forget about his offense, but even defensively, he's only his blocks like 1.2 shots a game. That's not exactly a, a, a you know crazy number. It feels like John Wall gets one one chase down block every game. So in any event, um, one of those things to keep an eye on there. Uh, going staying with the Hawks on the injury front, no injuries means that Fabio Cephalosha is good to go. He had been he had missed some time late in the regular season with an injury, and okay, so Atlanta's you know that, that that's fine. I mean you know whatever he's. Uh, you figured, okay, he's going to be good for game one. And then he didn't even play, which was, for me was very surprising. Doesn't sound like he's in the rotation at this point either, just based on conversations I was having over on the Atlanta side today. And, I, you know, I guess the feeling is Atlanta needs all the offense they could get. Going with a guy like Mike Dunleavy gives them a better three-point option. And that's fair. But against the Wizards, when you've got the backcourt of Wall and Beal and, you know, factor in Otto Porter... You know, it seems like you want as much defense out there as you can get, and th- and that's what Cephalosha does. He's a, a long armed wing defender. So curious to me that if he doesn't if he doesn't play again, I think that's good for the Wizards. I'll take my chances that Mike Dunleavy gets hot. I think he has done it, and in one of those wins Atlanta had late in the year over Cleveland, Dunleavy was a big uh, scoring threat for Atlanta. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm not too worried. I'm not worrying too much about Mike Dunleavy. I'm worrying more about Bradley Beal and John Wall getting theirs. Not to say that they won't, but if the you know one of the keys for me for this series, John Wall, Bradley Beal need to you know exploit the Atlanta backcourt. They largely did it in Game One, but hey, if they don't want to use Cephalosha, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so anyway, so so that's something to note. Now, also on the Atlanta front, we talked to multiple players today: Tim Hardaway Jr., Torian Prince. Kent Bazemore, as I mentioned, and Mike Budenholzer, and the 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 idea of what do you need to do to stop the Wizards, and what you know, 
offense, and they all talked about John Wall, of course, and they talked about the, slowing down the fast break, and they all used some form of we have to form a wall. So ironic to use the term wall when describing how you have to stop a guy whose last name is Wall. But basically, you know, make sure that they, you know, get back on fast break, have enough guys there so John Wall has to, you know, run sideways instead of being able to run straight at the basket, which he was able to do a lot more of in the second half. You know, even though the Wizards ended up scoring 114 points, and even though John Wall really did take over in that third quarter, um, and, and they, you know, Bradley Beal picked it up in the second half, you know, I still come back to how their offense struggled in the first half um, after the first six or seven minutes. And I do, and, and look, Atlanta is very good at, uh, on defense. The, you know, the, the Wizards were second in the NBA in ter- forced turnovers. Atlanta was third. This was a game where the Wizards turned the Hawks over way more than the other way around, and that was a huge reason why the Wizards were able to win the game. But, you know, I, I, I still come back to, I, I don't know if Atlanta's going to be able to score much in this series, but defensively, I think they have they, they can do better than they than they looked in the second half of that game. John, they just could not stop John Wall from going down a hill. Um, but that first half, I I, I, th- I do think there was something there. So in any event, if they they talked about this Wall, if they can get their guys back, which is no easy task against John Wall. Um, <laughs> I mean, he he may be about the only guy in the league, maybe other than like Westbrook, and probably I you know I don't know I don't even know if I believe this for Westbrook. John Wall might be the only guy in the league where I'm like, okay, if he goes one on three, it might be okay. He's so quick, he's so fast that he can just get where he wants to get, and, get, and these guys struggle to um, to do much about it. This is the where I bring up a guy like Kent Bazemore um, and, and Cephalosha. You know, the, the Atlanta has a lot of athletic wings, and you know, Bazemore and Cephalosha are guys who are typically going to guard Bradley Beal um, or or even Anato Porter than take John Wall, but they're quick enough and long enough to be a pest to get in his way. Um, again, I go back to the idea of, you know, seems like that would be the kind of thing you'd want out on the court. If, if sort of preventing John Wall from doing John Wall things um, is the lead against the Wizards, it just seems like you'd want to have as many of those kinds of options out there as possible. Um, one other thing to note on this front, Jose Calderon played eight minutes for Atlanta in game one, essentially as the backup point guard. That, I wouldn't count on him playing any more minutes and Mike Budenholzer today basically said they'll, they'll, they'll have lineups where they don't really have a point guard on the court which again I have to keep beat, you know, uh, beating on this uh, Cephalosha drum but you know it seems like an opportunity to, to use a guy like that and and by the way you know Brandon Jennings really struggles defensively to guard pretty much anybody called her own even got by him at least once or twice um, and you know if, if Atlanta's struggling for offense but you've got some of these guys, these bigger guys in Cephalosha and Baysmore out of the court. You know, if the Wizards are going to use Brandon Jennings on some level, he's, you know, he had five assists the other day. He helps push the pace. There's some positives there for sure. But on the other end of the court, he can be taken advantage of. So seems like it would be an opportunity for Atlanta to, uh, you know, go with some bigger guards, quick athletic types who can help out against the walls and beals of the world. And if Jennings is out there, they can also take advantage on the other end of the court. Uh, take advantage of him and just get to the basket as needed. Um, before I get to the uh, Kent, oh, another another. Uh, uh, before I get to the Kent Bazemore interview, another stat I wanted to come throw out to you guys. Not so much a stat, but this is more on the along the lines of the suggestions 
that that I talked about with Brad Rollin the other day, and one I didn't I didn't get to, and that is getting Otto Porter going sooner than later. Um, you know, I, I, it seems like a, a Otto Porter this year. He's had a lot of he has a lot of games where first quarter he's pretty active. He's getting some rebounds. You know, may, he's making some shots from from deep, um, and then things seem to slow a little bit, and then he picks it up in the fourth quarter. And I and I, and I looked that up to just see if that if if I was sort of had any sense if if that was just my um, my thinking or if that was actually there was actually some logic to that. And and they're actually the numbers do sort of back that up a little bit. But now the key let's just start with this. Obviously, Otto Porter was a beast shooting. Before the All Star break, he was leading the NBA in three point percentage. I think at the break, forty six point six percent from deep. But after the break, down to thirty four point one. Not just the percentage; he's also attempted one point one fewer threes per game. And this is a lot to do with how defenses are, are guarding him, right? Um, I, I asked Atlanta. I asked Torian Prince, who was on Auto, what, what was the difference in sort of their scouting report from earlier in the year to now, and he. He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you our game plan. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I sort of asked Budenholzer the same question, and you know, he basically said, uh, you know, a lot of coach speak, but that obviously in the, earlier in the year they really weren't focusing on on Otto Porter too much. But obviously, he's somebody that everybody had to pay more attention to, and he was a big reason why the Wizards had the run that they had this year. Um, one thing about Otto Porter is he they, the Wizards almost never run any plays directly for him. It's just basically he's just getting ball, you know, shots open in the corner on penetration from Wall and Beal. And, and something Atlanta was doing in the beginning of the game in particular, they would they, they, they would run under the picks for Wall so he would be sort of in the position to be having an open mid-range shot rather than get all the way to the rim where the defense has to collapse and they can kick it out to a guy like Otto Porter. I, I would be curious. I mean, look, it, you don't want to change your whole world uh, you've been doing things a certain way. Obviously, the Wizards have been having a had a, had quite a nice year. So you don't want to change too much um, with your game plan. Budenholzer said today that if you ask any any NBA coach and they give you an honest answer, he said that the the toughest challenge for them in the playoffs is not sort of every game rewriting the playbook to adjust to what is happening with, you know, while abandoning sort of your core principles. All that said, I just do think if the Wizards could get Otto Porter going, and you know, look, maybe his various uh, hip and back spasm injuries are causing him more problems than, than they have let on. But you know, I would be like to see if they could get him some some looks um, early in that game. See if they can get him going. I, I looked it up this year in the first quarter of games. Otto Porter he takes his most three point attempts, one point six per game, and he's shooting forty five point two percent. From three, the only other quarter he shoots better is in the fourth, a staggering fifty-three point eight. But he takes less than half, the, but he takes half the amount of shots, zero point eight. And you can kind of get that, right? I mean, John Wall, Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter are probably going to take over more in the, in the early in the game. You know, John's more in point guard mode, getting guys involved. So I would just, you know, if you can get Otto Porter going early, I just think that would be that would give this team such a, a, a dimension. I mean, it would force Atlanta to have to at least pay more attention to him as the game is going on, for, for if nothing else, and that would help open up some lanes for Wall and Beal and, and maybe open up some uh, shot opportunities for, for Morris or, or Gortat or whoever else is out there with them. But uh, something to keep an eye on. I mean, look, I, I, obviously Otto Porter over the course of the year has been very effective, 
but they're going to need him to be closer to that first half auto to really make a run here, I think, deeper in, into the playoffs offensively. I mean, he had, he was active, he had rebounds. Um, I think he had like five rebounds in the first quarter against Atlanta, nine, nine total. Um, but, you know, he only took three, only took two three-point attempts, made one, only took six shots total in 32 minutes. Uh, you know, again, they had other guys making shots, Wall, Beal, uh, Marquise Morris, uh, Gortat had a double-double. So it's not like they were lacking for offense in this game. They're going to need Otto Porter at some point to get going, though, and, you know, I'd be very curious to see what, uh, you know, what what could happen if they can, you know, run some plays for him early in the game, something they don't typically do, but I think that could be something rather effective. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, Kent Bazemore. What, why do I? Why am I talking to Kent Bazemore? A um, couple reasons. One, he's a player in the series, uh, and that's uh, and that's uh, you know access is everything. So we'll, we'll start with that. Two, I picked. I, I asked to speak to Kent Bazemore because he's somebody I've been tracking since college. I I, I wouldn't say that I, I I covered old Dominion games, but I did. When when this old CAA conference was a, was a thing, and George Mason was part of that, and ODU was uh, would play up here, big rivals with George Mason, ODU, especially early part of this decade, and it was sort of the king of that conference. Um, th- there was a point where they had with Baysmore and a couple other guys, Ben Finney and some others. They had just these wing players all over the place who could just dominate and really be uh, really be a pest. Um, I went and saw a Georgetown game there to open, I want to say, the 2009-10 season. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's right. Love their arena, by the way, where their, their home games. Tremendous uh, gym. Great great place to watch a basketball game. In any event, to watch Baysmore then, I always thought he could play in the league, but he went undrafted, worked his way up, and this past offseason he signed a $70 million contract with Atlanta. So to go from undrafted to, a, to that kind of a contract, I think it's a big deal. So I wanted to talk to him kind of get a sense of how he handled that extra pressure, if he felt any pressure, what his thoughts are on the series, guarding Bradley Beal. That's a matchup that, that he's going to um, handle. You know, he's, he's coming off the bench right now. He started earlier in the year. I'll be curious if he doesn't end up starting uh, at some point in the series. But, of course, as we know, it's not always a matter of who starts, but, you know, who finishes and how many minutes they get. And I still think if Atlanta is going to – Get back and uh, get back. It's only a 1-0 deficit. But if Atlanta's going to really compete for the series and maybe even win it, they're going to need their wings to be effective. And I think Ken Bazemore is a guy. He's he's bouncy. He's as athletic. He's confident. Nice kid. I, I really think he's somebody that if he gets going, he could give Atlanta sort of that X factor that that they would need. So anyway, uh, here is my interview with Ken Bazemore, and I'll close it out on the other side with some NBA draft thoughts. So we're here at Atlanta Hawks practice over at Georgetown with uh, Kent Bazemore, a uh, guy who I've been seeing watch play since college, so it's exciting to see you here first off. 1-0 deficit aside, how uh, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, the weather's beautiful up here in D.C. Uh, this time of year. Uh, got to see my family at the game one, so that was great. Um, and, you know, looking forward to winning tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. Got, got, always got to stay positive. Yeah. Um, you were you're a guy that came to this league undrafted, and uh, you, you know you had to fight your way up through that. You, you, you had to get a breakout year with the Lakers. You get over here, have a couple good years. 
and and you get rewarded with the the contract this offseason. Obviously, that's that's the goal and all. But did it feel any different for you this year, having come through that path of not being drafted, having to prove yourself, to then this year you have the contract? Did you feel did it feel any different to you that you had more to prove or put any more pressure on you than than before? Um, You know, as an athlete, you know, as an NBA player, you want to get better year to year, and you know that was my focus. You know, all years to be better. Um, you know, I'm going to be the toughest critic in, in anyone else, you know, myself personally. Uh, so there wasn't any, you know, pressure, so to speak. Just, you know, it's a lot of factors that go into, uh, you know, what goes on in the year, you know, health, uh, you know, obviously team, you know, it's just a ton of factors. And you just got to roll with the punches. And uh, I think I've, you know, uh, done a great job this year weathering the storm, you know, because it was rough there for a second. And, Continue to keep my spirits up and you know, play good basketball. What was the uh, what was the rough part there for you? Oh, just you know our team. You know it's been an up and down year. Uh, you know guys in and out, and, you know, uh, trying to find you know our, our rhythm as a team. You know a new point guard, White. Uh, you know roles changing. You know just a lot throwing at itself. So, um, Slobbing down stuff. You know you're trying to find your niche and uh, get your legs under you all at the same time. So. Just a lot of man. You know, it's a lot of responsibility. You know, as you get older in life, you know, uh, more bills to pay. You know, things like that. So it's been a it's been a fun ride. Well, that's the worst part, right? About getting older, the, the more responsibilities. I mean, yeah. some of it's good, but yeah, some of yeah. it's like, ugh. Exactly. Come yeah. on, I didn't sign up for this. Exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, you guys are gonna get back out there uh, tomorrow and get up the Wizards. When you're out on the court, if Bradley Beal's out there, that's a guy you're obviously gonna go up against a lot. Yes. <laughs> He's already proven in this league to be a really good player, but this year his numbers went up a lot. What, what do you notice different in his game this year versus uh, last year's as you're getting ready to, to guard a guy like that? Uh, he's, he's healthy. You know, uh, you know, when guys are able to get in the rhythm, play you know, a ton of games in a row, feeling good, going in every night, you know, you have a, you have a great year. And, you know, he did just that. I mean, John Wall have been healthy for a chunk of the year, and you know, the success they had this year is just – you know, uh, largely credited to those two. Um, and, you know, they're running, and you know, Bradley's starting to finish above the rim like he used to. You know, and you know, he's a he's a you know, very smart player, strong, finish and shoot it. You know, he's uh, he's fun to guard. It's a fun matchup. Who's the most fun matchup for you in this league? Um, hmm, probably Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. You know, he's just so quick and elusive. And, Play so low to the ground, and you know, I'm giving them you know, three or four inches. So uh, stay down in the stance a lot longer. You know, get those quads right. So uh, it's rewarding, though. You know, he, you know, he's a great, you know, person to compete against. You know, uh, tell you good defense. Uh, tell you, you know, I got you right there. You know, just things like that. You know, the chatter between you know, he and I during the game is pretty good. So he's definitely, you know, my, my funnest matchup. Um, in that first game. You guys took a took a healthy lead there in the first half. It felt like offensively for them, they started to struggle. A lot of it was with the reserves in there, but even still, it seemed like defensively you guys were starting to get on them. And in the second half, John Wall starts doing John Wall things. And yeah. that way. What change do you think, though, for you guys between that first half and the second half? Uh, we just got to do more of the things that got us that, that lead in the first half, you know, and, you know, uh, I got you. Yeah. And then... Uh, what got us back into the game at, uh, late. So, uh, you know, we, we had a great practice today. Uh, you know, the morale is great. 
across the camp, you know, so uh, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times in game one, you know, looking to, uh, you know, not beat ourselves in game two. Oh, awesome. Um, whenever I, if I think of you and I think of the Verizon Center, I think of, unfortunately, that NCAA tournament game, you're already oh, that, 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 does that one Does that one come back in your head uh, whenever you come in there or just in general? That, I'm talking about the game because you guys won against Butler. Yeah. Great yeah, game. Yeah. Came out in the last second. and then. Uh, Yeah, you know, the first couple times I played there, after that, I thought I had this, this immense curse, you know, because I didn't play that well that game either. I had, like, uh, six points off from the free throw line or something like that. And, uh, it was a tough game, but, you know, uh, Brad Stevens is coaching the Celtics now, and, uh, you know, he, he coached against us really well that game. And I've always had uh, nothing nothing but good things to say about Coach Stevens, and, you know, even playing against him in the playoffs last year. You know, well-coached team, and just fun to, you know, play against, so... Uh, you know, I think it's removed now. It was, you know, a long time ago, and I've watched that game once uh, since since then. Well, I'm sorry to bring yeah. it up then. Oh no, I, I saw it. I've brought it up to him before because I, I think I jinxed you guys. I picked you guys to go to the Final Four that year. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it was either us or them. I, yeah, I and, they, and Butler went all, yeah. went to, went all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either us or them, man. I mean, that's like I said, it was a well-coached team, and you know, Shelvin Mack obviously uh, was an opponent. Uh, obviously, after Gordon Hayward left. Matt Howard was on that team. They had a ton of guys, man, that, you know, very sound, cerebral, and I got to say, it was either us or them, and, you know, VCU made the win that year as well, too, so it's kind of hard to watch. Well, don't do it, then. Yeah. Just focus on the Wizards, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the series, yeah, man. man. Appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ken. All right, there you have it. Kent Bazemore, Atlanta Hawks. I don't know, six-man, I guess that's a fair description for now. To me, I wonder if he'll be starting, but we will see. Either way, he'll be a, he'll be a key factor in this series, especially if Atlanta uh, gets this going. But obviously, the Wizards, uh, you know, I didn't see anything after game one that makes me think things are going to go any different than the, my original prediction of the Wizards. I think I said five. You know, I said f- five but a tight series. I, it seems like a, a fair, uh, fair assessment to stick with. Um, I mentioned the NBA draft before. Obviously, the Wizards traded away their first pick, so there's not that much to talk about, but today the the NBA did announce the draft order. The Wizards, in round one, would have been picking 22nd. That pick will now go over to Brooklyn for the Boyan Bogdanovich deal. Um, We'll see, well, you know, right now, you know, Bogdanovich has obviously been, he's cooled off some since that ridiculously hot start he had, but he's still... Obviously, an effective player. Um, you know, as for whether he ultimately is a good trade, we'll see how far they go and what happens in the offseason if he's back or not. Um, but the other thing, though, is the Wizards do have a second round pick. It is the 52nd pick overall in the draft. Um, you know, feel free to look at Draft Express or ESPN or anywhere else that has an NBA mock drafts. Knock yourself out. Uh, those things won't mean squat <laughs> for now, largely because, one, it's so far away that we have no idea. You know, even when we get to the day of the draft, we probably won't have a great idea of who will be available, um, especially when you factor in international players and, and things like that. Uh, you know, teams make picks to stash guys, which could knock some American players back or, you know, down towards the Wizards. Um, but also, we don't know who's in the draft until people start, you know, totally declaring. Some names have already come out, but, you know, there's still some time for uh, for all that. All that said, you know... I. You know, we saw this year with the Wizards, you had three undrafted rookies make the team. And, 
you know, that's not, so that's not to say that the second round pick will, but, you know, I think with Scott Brooks, the likelihood of these players making the team or having a better shot to make the team, I think, goes up. I mean, look, they did draft Aaron White. He's been over in Europe, so they still have him. He could make it here as well. But, you know, the fact that Scott Brooks was willing to take on Daniel Oshefu, Sheldon McClellan, Danielle House until he was waived um, when they needed a roster spot, um, you know, it, it shows a coach who, on who I think both understands that, you know, you got to have some young kids for the long haul and you don't have to have, you know, a 34-year-old on your bench just because, you know, for, for, for comfort. So, I, you know, something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we've got a ways to go before the draft. Um, and the Wizards have a lot more basketball in there. But since the news came out today, I just thought I would I would mention it. All right. So uh, we'll call it there. Wizards back at it tomorrow. I made it through the podcast. Hopefully uh, I didn't. Uh, I don't think I sounded too much in agony. But uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens later. Hopefully, my, my, my fingers crossed this is all done by the time I get by the time the game happens. Really don't need uh, me uh, in front of 20,000 people dealing with a kidney stone. That would not be good for anybody involved. You don't need to hear my shrieks. Uh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, enough about that. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Thanks to Ken Bazemore for his time. Thanks to the Atlanta Hawks for letting me get him one-on-one like that. And uh, that's it for now. Until next time, Ben Standig signing off. See ya. Everybody Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long foul shot. Dagger!